Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. It's five miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. I've never seen so many trees in my life. As W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. It's Twin Peaks Day. To celebrate, here's a bonus podcast exploring the world of David Lynch. In 2017, Lynch's celebrated cult TV series, Twin Peaks, returned for a third season after an over 25-year absence. Lynch is currently working on a new show for Netflix. My fellow Dead Letter Postman 10 started watching the series some time ago and was looking to get into Lynch's work, so I thought it would be fun to create a David Lynch viewing guide using Twin Peaks as the backbone. I'm not saying this is the perfect way to do it, but I think it would work pretty well for the uninitiated. I mean, you could just do everything chronologically, but what's the fun of that? So get yourself a slice of cherry pie, a cup of damn good coffee, and let's begin. Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. Probably the best gateway into Lynch's work is the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. Premiering as an ABC Sunday night movie special in 1990, and feeling much like a feature film, the pilot sparked a national phenomenon. Everyone wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer, the homecoming queen found dead wrapped in plastic. Given the similarities to a previous murder, Agent Dale Cooper is sent into town to investigate. Twin Peaks is unlike any place in the world, and at the same time is like everywhere. Though Lynch's surrealism is slightly muted in this pilot, it's still there. A good example is the introduction of the log lady. Who's the lady with the log? I would call her the log lady. Though, now that I think about it, having someone call the log lady is fairly surreal on its own. There's also this accident that Lynch kept in that I feel adds to both the realism and the surrealism of the story. When Coop and Sheriff Truman are examining Laura's body, this exchange happens with a coroner. There it is. Oh my god, here it is. What? Would you leave us, please? Jim. Uh, would you leave us alone, please? Oh, certainly. Though unintentional, that moment shows a realism, mishearing someone, that somehow feels strange. It's almost like surrealism could sometimes be hyper-realism. I think that's a theme in a lot of Lynch's work. The surreality of reality. Now, there are two versions of the pilot you can watch, the regular version and the one made for international markets. That one's more like a feature film. It even has its own resolution, such as it is. I actually like the international version with its sort of wrap-up ending, but for this exercise, stick with the original ending. Much of the international version's new alternate footage gets recycled anyway. Now, if you can stop yourself from diving into the first season, I suggest checking out 1986's Blue Velvet. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is alright. I close my eyes. I gotta admit my bias here as it is my favorite David Lynch movie. It's one of my top favorite films ever, actually. Now, bias aside, I think it's a pretty good representation of the man's work. It has the darkness, surrealness, and the bizarre humor that would become defining traits of Lynch's work. Also, it's really easy to pretend that the film's protagonist, Jeffrey Beaumont, grows up to become Dale Cooper, as both characters are played by Kyle MacLachlan, and both characters are investigating a mystery. Sometimes it's necessary to take a risk. I got to thinking, I'll bet someone could learn a lot by getting into that woman's apartment. 
you know, sneak in, hide, and observe. Sneak into her apartment? Yeah. Are you crazy? Jeffrey, she's possibly involved in murder. Returning home to seeing his ailing father, Jeffrey Beaumont finds a human ear in a field. That's a human ear, all right. His curiosity gets the best of him, and he sets out into his own investigation, leading into a dark world of lounge singers, kidnapping victims, and one of Dennis Hopper's best roles, Frank Booth. Frank may very well be the most evil character in cinema history. Hey, you wanna go for a ride? No thanks. No thanks? What, what, what does that mean? I don't wanna go. Go where? For a ride. A ride! Hell, that's a good idea. Okay. Let's go. That was the least profane clip I could find. Sometimes I think there's two kinds of people in the world. People who know Frank Booth is cinema's best psychopath, and those who haven't seen Blue Velvet. No offense, Hannibal Lecter, Nurse Ratchet. Blue Velvet also focuses on small town illicit activities like Twin Peaks does. Lumberton, Blue Velvet small town, reads like a rough draft of Twin Peaks. Both are sort of Peyton Place gone to hell. Actually, Hope Lang from Peyton Place is even in Blue Velvet. Some neat metacasting there. Blue Velvet is probably the best example of what can be called Lynchian. Writer David Foster Wallace probably put it best when defining the term. A particular kind of irony where the very macabre and the very mundane combine in such a way to reveal the former's perpetual containment within the latter. Yeah, there's a lot in that statement and it could have been said less pretentiously, but after watching Blue Velvet you'll probably understand. After your time with Jeffrey, head back into the first season of Twin Peaks and enjoy all the invitation to Love Cliffs and the man from another place. I've not learned music. Last time you watched is going to come back in style. There's only eight episodes in the first season, so it's a quick binge. After the great cliffhanger that ends season one, you're going to have to exercise some self-control and keep yourself from going straight into season two. Because now is a great time to check out Wild at Heart. Look like a clown in that stupid jacket. This is a snakeskin jacket. And for me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. Wild at Heart is one of the best Nicolas Cage movies ever. That's right, it's a David Lynch film, and it is also a Nicolas Cage film. And I don't mean a movie that has Nick Cage in it, like Rumblefish or Peggy Sue Got Buried. I mean the batty, insane kind of Nick Cage we all know and love. This time, Cage is channeling some sort of Elvis Presley with priors. Treat me like a This flick gives Con Air a run for its money. Cage and Blue Velvet alum Laura Dern play star-crossed lovers Sailor and Lula, making their way through the South, and on their way they meet the best Lynchian grotesques one could ask for. Willem Dafoe plays the slimiest character ever, and Laura Dern's actual mother, Diane Ladd, plays her unbalanced on-screen mother. You know who that was. And you know that you aren't. And I mean are not gonna see him ever. End of story. It isn't Lynch's best, but it is never, ever boring. Violent, bizarre, exciting, Wild at Heart is quite the experience. And there are a number of Twin Peaks folk all through it. It's easy to see its influence on Quentin Tarantino and other filmmakers who came into fame in the 90s. This whole world, wild at heart and weird on top. The owls are not what they seem. After that, go right ahead and start season two. I think the season opener is almost as good as the pilot. Enjoy singing Leland, High School Nadine, and James being dumb and dreamy. Just you. 
About halfway, you will get inevitably frustrated. Take a break and check out Lynch's prestige drama, The Elephant Man, based on the life of Joseph Merrick, who is called John for some reason in this movie. The Elephant Man is a powerful and emotional tale of humanity. It may very well be John Hurt's best performance, which is somehow not hidden away under all that makeup. Interesting note, Mel Brooks produced the movie, but left his name out because of the serious nature of the film. There's a whole story about how Brooks saw Eraserhead and knew that Lynch was the right guy for the job. More on Eraserhead later. After The Elephant Man, finish up season two and enjoy David Duchovny as a decidedly unmoldery DEA agent, Wyndham Earl, and The Black Lodge. You're probably going to find yourself somewhat underwhelmed with the ending of Season 2, as it was set up as a last-ditch effort to rouse up interest for a third season. And we did get a third season, just two and a half decades later. Instead of a third season, we got a prequel film, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which is what you should check out next. I'm not going to talk about Judy. In fact, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. We're going to keep her out of it. Gordon? I know, Coop! Fire Walk With Me is finally getting its due after not getting much love when it came out. I like it a lot and was one of its defenders back in the day. But I understand why folks had issues with it when it came out. The colorful weirdos of Twin Peaks and Agent Cooper to an extent take a backseat as we see the last seven days of Laura Palmer's life. The film isn't as quirky or as funny as the show and has quite a dark focus. The first shot of the film is a television being destroyed so that kind of tells you a lot. Fire Walk With Me may very well be a horror film so be prepared for that. No. Yes! Yes! What? What? Please, what? Fire. Walk. <laughs> this is probably the point of no return. If you dig Fire Walk With Me at all, you are probably going to be into the rest of the series and Lynch's filmography. If you find yourself not so much into that flick, well, it probably isn't going to get better for you. Nothing wrong with that. Doesn't make you any less of a film lover. Now, after Fire Walk With Me, you'll be tempted to go into Season 3, but I don't think that's a good idea. It's important to give some time here. Maybe not 25 years, but a little bit. So take a look at some of Lynch's other works. Now would be a good time to check out Dune, I guess. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. Dune might be the only real anomaly in Lynch's filmography. It's a film he himself isn't super fond of due to studio meddling, among other things. After Elephant Man, George Lucas offered Lynch a chance to direct Return of the Jedi. He declined, but Dune gives us some hints as to what a Lynch sci-fi space opera might look like. I think technically this was the first Lynch-directed thing I ever saw, though I saw the Lynch-disowned three-hour cut. Pretty much everything about Dune is complicated and messy. It's still a pretty neat little artifact of mid-80s sci-fi, though, and it features Kyle MacLachlan and a couple of other Twin Peaks actors, not to mention a pretty indescribable performance from Sting. You see your death. My blade will finish you. It's worth your time, I'd say, at least. And with the new adaptation coming out, it'll be interesting to compare the two. At this point, you're probably wondering, shouldn't I have watched Eraserhead by now? And you're right. 
Eraserhead is one of the original midnight movies, and there's something extra that happens when you see this late at night. So try watching it that way if you can. Mary usually does the carving, but maybe tonight you'll do it, Henry. All right with you? Of course. I'd be happy to. Do I just, uh, just cut them up like regular chickens? Sure, just cut them up like regular chickens. Future Pete from Twin Peaks, Jack Nance, plays a man coming to grips with fatherhood. That sort of tells you everything and nothing. There's a good chance Eraserhead will be the strangest movie you'll ever see. I first saw it by borrowing my high school vice principal slash driver's ed instructor's copy. It was a second generation bootleg off a Laserdisc with Japanese subtitles. Honestly, I think that might have added something extra too. I don't recommend this for expectant parents. After Eraserhead, if you're feeling ambitious, give yourself an all-day triple feature with David Lynch's unofficial Los Angeles trilogy. Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. All three have LA settings, explore identity issues, and have horror elements, among other traits. Lost Highway is Lynch's neo-noir about a man murdering his wife. Or maybe not. I like to think of it as Lynch's meditation on Hitchcock's vertigo and the film noir genre. Robert Loggia gives excellent driving advice. Do you know how many car lengths it takes to stop a car at 35 miles an hour? Ten car lengths! That's 106 feet, mister! If I had to stop trembling, you would have hit me! And Robert Blake may or may not be playing himself. How'd you get inside my house? You invited me. It is not my custom to go where I'm not wanted. Who are you? Hmm. <laughs> Give me back my phone. For some time, I thought the pilot to Twin Peaks might be Lynch's best work, but then I saw Mulholland Drive. Another noir meditation, Mulholland Drive was originally a pilot of a new TV series that just didn't get picked up. You'll recognize a few people, and it might take a bit to understand what's going on, but trust me, it's truly amazing stuff. You just can't help but get caught up in the story. An amnesiac meets a fresh-faced Hollywood newcomer, and together they try to piece together a mystery, but that only scratches the surface of Mulholland Drive. The club silencio scene will haunt you with its terrifying beauty, and the man behind Winkies will probably just terrify you. There's a man in back of this place. He's the one who's doing it. I can see him through the wall. I can see his face. I hope that I never see that face ever outside of a dream. There's a reason why this is on many lists of the best films of the 21st century. 2021 marks Mulholland Drive's 20th anniversary, so I bet there will be no shortage of articles you'll be able to read about it. And the last film in our triple feature is Lynch's three-hour digital epic, Inland Empire, featuring Laura Dern again in a harrowing and downright wrenching performance. The production of a cursed film is a main focus, but I wouldn't say that's what Inland Empire is about. The original tagline might say it best, a woman in trouble. I'll admit, it isn't an easy film to digest, and the length is a little daunting, but it is quite the experience. It really gets under your skin. So, you have a new role to play, I hear. 
up for a role. But uh, I'm afraid, far from getting it. <laughs> no, no, I definitely heard that you have it. On second thought, perhaps a nearly eight hour triple feature might be a little hard on one's psyche. After you're done with our triple feature, if you feel like it, you could check out Lynch's shorts and other non-feature work, like The Grandmother and Industrial Symphony Number no. 1. These works may not be as revered, but there's something to get out of them for sure. Even Lynch's commercials for Calvin Klein and PlayStation offer something special. Before heading back to Twin Peaks, you might want to watch Fire Walk With Me again. Or better yet, if you can get a hold of it, do try and find The Missing Pieces, a feature-length collection of deleted and extended material from Fire Walk With Me. It'll get you back into the world again. Maybe check out the international version of the pilot too if you haven't already. The wood comes in over here and it goes out over there. Now when it's over here, it's exactly two by four. But when it comes out over there, it's exactly one and nine sixteenths by three and nine sixteenths. It's that way all over our land. Now it is time to experience Twin Peaks The Return. 18 hours of pure heroin David Lynch, one TV exec called it, and that is a great way to put it. There were moments where I felt like Homer Simpson watching the original series, but I loved every second of it. That's damn fine coffee you got here in Twin Peaks. And damn good cherry pie. Brilliant. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what's going on. After you watch episode eight, which is a doozy, I gotta say, Take some time to watch Lynch's G-rated Disney movie, The Straight Story, before you finish The Return. Rose darling, I'm gonna go back on the road, and I, I've gotta make this trip on my own. I've gotta go see Lyle. A moving tale about an older man's road trip to visit his estranged brother. Yes, that sounds oddly conventional at first, but the character can't legally drive anymore, so he gets there driving a riding lawnmower. Based off a true story, believe it or not, I won't spoil it too much, but I think you'll see why I recommend the straight story at this point as you get to the end of the series. I'm not going to lie to you, Lynch isn't particularly interested in giving the audience what it wants, or rather what it usually wants. Some mysteries will remain as you finish the return, and I admit that can be hard to deal with sometimes. Some mysteries are addressed in Mark Frost's secret history of Twin Peaks and the final dossier books. I won't go into details, but I will say you get an answer to how's Annie? How's Annie? <laughs> She's fine. Still, you aren't going to get the kind of closure you expect, but frankly, that is probably what I love the most about Lynch's work. It allows you to sit with it and think and be okay with uncertainty. In many ways, the first two seasons of Twin Peaks are satirizing soap operas while still kind of being a soap opera. I think The Return might be satirizing series revivals while also being a revival. Just when it looks like we'll get that moment of fan service, the story goes another direction. Some found that frustrating, but I think it subverts expectations. And to be honest, I really dig that. There's still some fan stuff though, and the general lack of it makes those moments more endearing. There's a distinct shift between season two and the return, which was very, very jarring for a lot of people. My hope with this viewing method I laid out, that will be softened. Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. Is that you, Lucy? Director Cole. You've been there all through the years, Lucy? I have gone home, and Andy and I have taken some vacations. One year we went to Bora Bora. 
You may have been wondering why I have been talking about a TV show when this is a film podcast. Well, the thing is, Twin Peaks has always blurred the line between cinema and television, and The Return might very well be both. Despite being nominally a TV show, it made a number of best films of the year lists, as well as best of its decade, topping several. Even Wendy's, The Burger Place, chimed in about how The Return blurs the line in a tweet. If we call it a movie, then where do we actually draw the line between television and film? The current line seems to be making one episodic. Though the current trend in superhero movies could also be called episodic. Hmm, hard to tell. Would you like some pie? Massive, massive quantities and a glass of water, sweetheart. My socks are on fire. It's probably unlikely that Lynch and Netflix's new project will be a continuation of Twin Peaks. But to borrow from my favorite TV show, I have a definite feeling it will be both wonderful and strange. Thanks for listening to this little bonus episode of Dead Letter Movies. I'm Andrew, and remember, every day, give yourself a little present.